Lights, camera, action. When a script is written that is so bad, no one will film it. These brave podcasters will bring it to life just so they can mock it. This is Table Reads. So the movie's kaput, which means your script ain't worth the buffalo shit on a nickel. Table Reads with Sean McBee and Joshua Baker. Hey everybody, welcome to Table Reads. Uh, Kelly Levier is still a part of the show, we promise, but she's very, very busy uh, she's this, a bus- this she's month, a, this she's whole a month. She's a busy lady, very busy lady. She so, left us. She's not going to be participating in this script, but she will be back for the next script, we promise, um, because we, we want you to stay with us. But filling in for Kelly is someone just as pretty. <gasps> He's gorgeous. It's a, it's a Mr. Jeff Lewis. Oh, it's me. I've been here the whole time. He and- was He was hiding. <laughs> Making it work. Having a good time. It's great to be here. And how are how are you, gentlemen? He said it's great to be here. What about you? you? I am stoked. I'm super excited. I'm I'm very happy to hear it. I'm glad that Gold William Goldman's script is over. Oh, me too. I I'm happy to be past that. I mean, I I felt like me too was gonna bust in here. I'm only on episode one, guys. I feel <laughs> don't be spoiling anything. It gets really better, invested. Jeff. It gets better, Jeff. Oh. And by better, we mean worse. Worse, way, way worse. Impossible. So I said, hey, Josh, why don't you pick the scripts that we're going to do next? And Josh, with an exclamation point, said, Preacher! Which led me to believe <laughs> that Josh is like, oh, Preacher is great. I love it. And let's let's do that. And then today I find out Josh isn't really that familiar with Preacher. I found six comics at a thrift store one time, and I read those. And I don't know why you didn't buy the other 60 issues in that series, because it is the best. I was 12. I have read it like nine times, and you should not have been allowed to buy that. (laughs) For real. So, um, for those of you not familiar, Preacher is a comic series written by the magnificent Irish drunkard named Garth Ennis. It was drawn by the now late and great Steve Dillon. And the process to adapt it has been a long and winding one. So uh, I'm just going to fill everybody in real quick on that. So the comic ran from 96 to 2000. You know, like all the best things. True. Right there in the 90s. True. That sweet spot of media, right? And then uh, in 1998, Garth Ennis, the creator and writer of every uh, issue of Preacher, wrote a script that adapted just the first four issues. Um, And that was going to be directed by Rachel Talalay, who at that point had only directed Freddy's Dead, Ghost in the Machine, and Tank Girl. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, And remember, Tank Girl was a huge box office failure. Yes. What? It, I mean, it was great. <laughs> I saw it in the theater, and I loved the shit out of it. I movie. thought it was awesome. It was awesome. It was bizarre. I don't know why Lori Petty isn't the biggest star in the world. But <laughs> They played that in theaters? <laughs> <laughs> I loved that movie. I saw it in the theater. I did, and I, I loved it. Um, Kevin Smith was going to produce it with his uh, producing partner, Scott Mosier. 
Um, but then in about 2000, Smith and Mosier bowed out. Uh, in 2001, it was announced that it was still in development, but the budget being somewhere between 22 and $25 million was a bit of a non-starter and caused a bunch of issues. So then it sort of fell off the map until 2006 when Mark Steven Johnson, who you may know as the director of such brilliant classic films as Ben Affleck's Daredevil uh. and Nick Cage's Ghost Rider. Oh, um, Wait, which one? The first Ghost Rider or the good one? The first one. Oh, <laughs> um, or the he, good one. <laughs> he was trying to get it going as an HBO series where he was going to adapt each issue very faithfully as a one hour episode. And even Garth Ennis said, you don't have to stick that close to the source material. And the guy's like, no, no, I fucking do. That's what's great about this. This is going to be the comic, an issue at a time, on the TV screen. I don't even have to make a shot list. I'm about to say, he's like, I can't draw. These are my storyboards. <laughs> Garth Ennis even came up with new storylines for the show to convince him that he didn't have to do that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Stop trying to bastardize my work, bro. Get out my Kool-Aid. So uh, that was... 2006 by 2008 HBO had been like mm, nah we uh we got some other thing with uh lots of titties to to put out I mean titties sell yeah what was the next part are we reading that one no no I'm talking about Game of Thrones now oh oh which oh. probably wasn't out in 2008 that seems like a really long time ago now that I say it out loud so they were they were looking forward I'm sure what was out in 2008 Jeff fail oh, you right. fail oh, you're boy. done you're off the island <laughs> Man. So then in 2009, we're catching up to to our script here. Columbia decided to try a feature again with Sam Mendes directing. You may know him as the Academy Award winning director of American Beauty. Um, Before the Spacey scandal. Yes. Um, but Sam Mendes left to go direct Skyfall, which fight me, motherfuckers is the best of all James Bond films. Okay, oh. so you and Jeff are going to yeah. be good friends. I like. appreciate the invite. <laughs> you, you're uh, bros now. <laughs> he, was singing the, he was singing the Skyfall song for like two years. <laughs> well, it was before I watched it. Definitely not the best, but, uh -oh. you know, as, I, a, as, a, as a Home Alone sequel, I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, the wet not to get an often too big a tangent already before we even start here, but I just think that it took the the best of the seriousness of the Craig years and threw in the little bit of campiness and the, and the, the gadgets at just the right amount to bring it back to its roots without going full Roger Moore with that shit. Mm. I accept this. Let's just read the script real quick. Right. I'm a, I'm a, I've been a golden eye guy. <laughs> so, uh, 2010, Sam Mendes left to go do Skyfall. 2011, John August is hired to write this script. This one that we're reading. That's the one we're reading. Um, and then DJ Caruso, who you may know as the director of I Am Number Four. Okay. And Triple X, Xander Cage's Return. Oh, and the upcoming Triple X Four um, uh, was going to direct. I think those were actually recently added to the Criterion Collection, so I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm waiting on my box set to come in so I can watch those. Uh, so, <laughs> according to an interview, 
Uh, and this isn't going to mean anything to you guys because you're not familiar with the source material, but to any preacher fans listening, they're about to plot themselves. He wanted Chris Pine to, pay, to play the main character, Jesse Custer. Mm -hmm. Shia LaBeouf would play Arse Face. And uh, he hinted that Alex Pettifor might be a good fit for the Saint of Killers. And the Saint of Killers, by the way, he's a badass cowboy guy who is based on Clint Eastwood's character from Unforgiven. Okay. So if you can just picture the William, kid from William I Am Money. Number 4 as William Money. Cool. Yeah. So I'm real glad that guy got fired. <laughs> he had a vision. <laughs> and then eventually it went to, uh, to Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg to adapt into an AMC series. And fucking love that show. It is one of my favorite shows. It does not hew super close to the comics, but it has their spirit. Um, and it's, it's fantastic. And I happen to have done some work for all three of the first three seasons. <gasps> I probably will not be doing anything on season four because it's moving to Australia. Sad face. But let's talk about John August now. Uh, he wrote the live-action Aladdin that is coming out soon. We know how much Joshua loves his love live-action Disney remakes. Well, I do. Well, okay. So to be fair, Dumbo does not get to go in the rest of the pantheon of those because <laughs> I loved Jungle Book. I loved Beauty and the Beast. Was there another one? Um, yes, The Lion King. Lion out. King is coming. Well, out soon. I haven't seen that one yet, guys. Come on. But that's well, the maybe, worst time maybe, traveling. Maybe by the time this comes out. <laughs> uh, but Dumbo was horrible dog shit garbage out of a trash can. That's because uh, Tim Burton hasn't made anything good since 1992. Yeah. 94, excuse me. Edward Scissorhands was 1994. We had a con conversation about why that is. It's because he has so much power. He's not the kind of guy you can argue with. He also so hasn't made anything original. Since that time, well, it doesn't. I, I guess everything yeah. he has made in that time has been a remake. Sure, including remaking his own stuff. For example, you remember he uh, made a feature-length version of Frankenweenie. Yep, which was a remake of his own short film. The feature film, by the way, written by John August, uh, who also wrote Corpse Bride, Big Fish. This guy's like way up tim burton's ass yeah no take, shit take he did write wall, huh? both charlie's angels movies <gasps> okay so i gotta give him that okay i like those movies a lot crispin <laughs> glover man come on come uh, on jeff what are you <laughs> he's quietly laughing at the I, I, I do like crispin glover in the, and, and then the uh the dance scene uh with uh oh it's a guy from like lawn dogs He's everywhere right now. Lawn dogs? Yeah. He's everywhere right now, and lawn dogs is what you're going to bring up <laughs> as an example? Oh, boy. <laughs> Grill him. Get him. Uh, oh, no. Uh, three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Okay. Oh. Uh, I know who you're talking about. I don't. Oh, do you? Anyway, um, so this script might be good, guys, um, because John August, despite writing a bunch of Tim Burton dreck and the scripts may be completely great. That's true. We know Tim Burton can fuck some shit up. <laughs> yeah, he is. He excels at it. Um, 
But he uh, has a podcast about screenwriting called Script Notes. He has a whole blog at johnaugus.com about screenwriting. Um, he uh, he has some good advice on there. I think I think he's a good writer. Mm. I don't know if that's going to hold through here. I, as a huge fan of the comics, I've read them in completion like nine times. Uh, I'm going to be the judge of uh, whether it's a good adaptation or not. Okay, so long as there's not any like a uh, gross, you know, like little little girl ogling, I think we're going to be a step above the last one. There's going to be a lot of gross stuff, but I'm sure none of it is going to be little girl ogling. Perfect. So without further ado, let's read Preacher, written by John August. Uh, this draft dated January 10th, 2010. Fade in. The Plains. Under an impossibly epic sky. It already sounds like William Goldman. <laughs> the most epic sky you've ever seen. I can't believe it. The prairie stretches to the horizon. Birds call. Insects buzz. Rusted barbed wire runs along a lonesome dirt road. Dark clouds. Trees beside a creek sway in the breeze. Then a man speaks. His voice is calm but haunting. Listen. Listen and you can hear it. There, tucked in the wind, the sound of metal clashing. A trumpet. I don't know that I would describe a trumpet as the sound of metal clashing. You're playing it wrong. <laughs> a war fought in heaven and in hell. Uh, okay, so DeBlanc is... Read him sort of lightly foppish. He's not the Texan. Okay, uh... Foppish. A war fought in heaven and in hell. Sure. What's foppish? I don't know. Make him British. Just make him British. Ah. A war fought in heaven and in hell. Good. The roar of an unearthly beast. The battle began here. It began in Texas. I guess the question is, why is my music so loud? Is the epic sky and the... That's it. The metallic trumpets? Like, that's kind of matching with it. Cut to exterior plains. Night. Whipping snow. A blinding whiteout as a blizzard bears down on the Lano Estacado. Title over. 1886. Flashes of fire. Gunshots. A horse cries out as it falls. Shot through the head. Close on a man's eye. Blinking away blood and snow. His POV, low. Watching as three robbers ride away. Exterior, plains, day. Snow blankets the plains. We find the man lying face down beside his dead horse. Suddenly, he pushes up on his elbows. Coughs blood. Robbers left a man to die. But he refused. He sits up, checks inside his beaten duster for a small, wrapped bundle. He had ridden six days to buy medicine for his wife and young child. They were waiting for him. The man pushes to his feet. As he gets his bearings, we take our first real look at him. An old gunfighter with a wide-brimmed... Antietam? Antietam hat. An ashen face so long and worn, it looks pulled from river clay. The man starts walking. 
exterior hills, day, in a shot as wide as Texas. <laughs> sounds like a your mom joke. That's really good. <laughs> a shot as wide as your mother. In a shot as wide as Texas, the man walks. The man had been a villain, a merciless killer. First for the South and then for himself. But a woman's love had changed him. She gave him a daughter, and his daughter's eyes gave him hope. Exterior, homestead, day. Just a nondescript farm with a single humble cabin. He walked for 11 days, and on the 12th, all hope died. Interior, cabin, day. The man stands at the doorway. Crows pick at the remains of his wife and daughter as they lie in bed. Interior, Ratwater Saloon, night. The man's hand pushes open the saloon door. He draws two revolvers and opens fire on the 25 patrons inside. The man vowed that day he would have vengeance, not just on the robbers who had delayed him. A boar-faced robber named Silas McCready has his hand blown off. As more bullets start flying, the man shows no interest in self-preservation. He wanted revenge on life, on hope. He wanted revenge on God. He's killed nearly every man and woman in the bar when he finally falls back, leaving a bloody smear on the wall as he drops. Silas McCready approaches, carrying a fire shovel. The man aims his guns, but he's out of bullets. McCready slams the shovel into the man's chest, killing him. Match cut to exterior, canyons of hell, perpetual twilight. Close on the man, inspecting his mortal wound. The man did not die like other men, whose hatred fades as they leave the mortal world. He stands, looking out over the vast canyons of hell. Everything is bathed in eerie blue glow. They say the man's heart was so cold, it froze the fires of hell. Snowflakes drift past. Exterior forge. Perpetual night. Hammers slam down against a molten red sword, reshaping the steel. A hiss as steam rises from a bucket. Tongs pull forth the stock of a revolver. The man accepts two custom-forged Walker Colt revolvers. Side note. Are they Walker Colt revolvers if Colt didn't make them? They could have been forged to the specifications of a Colt, like... Fair. I mean, they would have to put little... Ask, like, quotations? quotations, yeah. Like Gucci Air knockoff quotes. revolvers. <laughs> <laughs> These are hell revolvers. I got them from a flea market. The devil crowned the man his champion. The saint of killers. It's a little Irish. The saint of killers. It crowned uh, his champion, there, the there, saint of killers. There is an Irish character in this script. <laughs> Lovely. Save it. Nathan Bagora. Um, a glint in the saint's eye. We don't see the devil fully, just a distorted reflection. The devil was the first to die. Two gunshots ring out like thunder. Macro in along the saint's left eye. The edge of white and dark. The saint brought war to heaven. He vowed to destroy all creation, as well he may. Match cut to The Blazing Sun.
The future is unwritten. Jesse Custer holds up a hand, squinting in the light. He's sweating, bleeding, fighting for his life. All we know is that the war will end here. Will end in Texas. Title over. Preacher. Cut to a rush of images. A coffin sinks in murky water, weighed down by cinder blocks. A silver lighter flicks. A flame blooms. Jesse kisses a woman we'll later know as Tulip O'Hare. She's smiling through tears. Title over. One. The Reverend Jesse Custer. Exterior. Roadside revival. Late afternoon. Past. It's high summer. The sun is slowly making its way across the endless sky. One hundred proud Texans. Ranchers and housewives and grandmothers with fans sit on folding chairs, watching the fiery preacher up on a truck bed stage before them. He's 40 minutes into his sermon and shows no sign of flagging. Every invocation lands its punch, like he's boxing the devil himself. This is young Jesse Custer. He's 10 years old. Who can do a 10-year-old voice? Maybe I can just throw my regular voice <laughs> You probably do the best one, dude. <laughs> Give us a 10-year-old. I, I want I want Joshua to, to be grown-up Jesse, but you haven't done anybody, so just do young Jesse. I do forgot it. I'm here for that. I was just like entertained. I was like, wow, this is great. <laughs> like, I'm really into show. <laughs> I got a front row seat yeah. to this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get to listen to it again six weeks. Podcasts <laughs> are really about the visuals, and I'm here. Uh, I mean, I could do it. I guess Give us young Jesse, man. In Abilene, in Taylor, in Hamilton County, I see new churches being built. You've seen them. Maybe your Aunt Sally, your Uncle Ray. They're helping to build these churches, and they're proud. God will be pleased, they say. Houses of the Lord, they call them. Some nod in the audience. The Lord God made heaven and earth. He does not need a house. He does not need a steeple or mahogany pews. The Lord needs nothing, nothing but our faith in his world. His word. Oh, oh, his word. <laughs> You'll have to forgive him. He's reading on his phone. It's tiny. It is It is a giant Android phone that one could surf upon if one so chose. I did it ironically as a it political a statement phone. on his word. <laughs> Young Jesse raises his Bible, Bible above his head. Cut to, I'm not reading on a phone. I am just a fuck up. <laughs> That's why I said he raises his Bible. Listen, as someone who's been here and seen this, you're doing great. <laughs> Cut to interior, barn, night. Young Jesse raises the Bible above his head. He's standing on a chair, rehearsing the sermon, visibly exhausted. For some reason, he is soaking wet from head to waist. The word of God is the only salvation. The word of God is the trumpet at Jericho. Hellfire! <laughs> Reveal Marie Langel, 80s, Jesse's grandmother. She has the withered body of a mummified witch. The most mummified. <laughs> All too visible in a low-cut dress that barely covers the remains of her breasts. I ate them. Her white hair is cut like a man's. Red lipstick is the only feminine thing about her thin and wrinkled face. She walks with two canes, giving the effort of a four-legged creature. Giving the effect of a four-legged creature. You left out hellfire! 
Jody. Her right-hand man, Jody, approaches. He's six foot four and a wall of muscle. The body of a hero with the soul of a serial killer. Resigned, Jesse steps down from the chair, kneels in front of a trough. Jody plunges Jesse's head into the water, holding him down, keeps him under much longer than you think he could handle. Marie lights a cigarette. Back to exterior, roadside fields, late afternoon. Young Jesse raises the Bible over his head. The word of God is the only salvation. The word of God is the bridge over hellfire. The word of God is the trumpet at Jericho, and all will fall before it. Suddenly, overcome by the heat and the spirit, Jesse collapses. A gasp in the audience. (gasps) Several townsfolk rush to help him. But Marie gets there first to reassure them. She's wearing a comparatively modern, a modest dress. Stay back! He's receiving the word! Indeed, Jesse is convulsing ecstatically on the stage. As the tremors stop, he slowly stands, looks out over the crowd. There is a thief among us who walked here in stolen shoes. Jesse climbs down off the stage, begins moving through the crowd, searching each face. He fears the word of God. We should all fear it, for all of us have sinned. All of us have fallen. It is only sin. His hand that can lift us back up. Some amens. Amen. 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 He stops in front of a fat rancher who (laughs) eyes him nervously. Jesse then turns and points straight at TC, a balding, pig-faced farmhand of 30, who no doubt smells worse than he looks. Do you fear the word of God? Oh, yes. Yes. Do you fear... Hold on, hold on. Do TC like high and reedy. Who's that? The one you just read. Do read it again. But like with the heel. Oh, 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 like a uh, like a heel person. Okay, you read it first. Oh, oh going back in. <clears throat> Do you fear the word of God? Uh, yes, yes. Do you fear his judgment? Yes, I I didn't. I'm I'm sorry. TC quickly sheds his shoes, handing them to the nearest housewife. They still got the tag in them. will you accept the word into your very soul i will i will jesse grabs tc's face as if struck by divine lightning tc falls back in a full seizure this is church music right (laughs) falls back in a full seizure speaking in tongues the crowd can't believe what they've witnessed cut to Exterior, roadside revival, dusk. TC straightens bills, counting up the money they made from tonight's performance. Jody is packing up the truck, including the Jesse Custer Boy Preacher sign. Young Jesse is folding chairs. The first fireflies have come out, tiny sparks of light. Marie approaches, walking with DeBlanc, 50, a man Jesse's never met. This has me intrigued. This is not what I am used to. I am intrigued. I'm I'm actually like in on this story. Like I like I like the cut where Marie's smoking the cigarette and they're oh, they're yeah. practicing with the the baptism yeah. and like uh, it's rad. I, like, I want to say John August is 
doing a great I'm, job. I'm in. I'm in. It's an excellent western. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in right now. I mean, I don't. I don't know how much like commentary we're gonna have to make. Like we're kind of getting sucked into. This I know. Story. I'm like. I'm like. Wait. What's happening next? <laughs> yeah, I'm like scrolling down. <laughs> I kind of get the uh, the true detective feel from the roadside revival thing right mm. now. DeBlanc wears a suit that looks strangely old-fashioned, complete with fedora. A lock of white hair peeks out the back of his hat. Jesse, this is Mr. DeBlanc. Jesse offers his hand. DeBlanc just smiles. He can't touch you. He's got some questions. Answer honest. He'll know if you don't. With that, Marie leaves them. Despite what Marie says, DeBlanc seems to have nothing to say. He just looks at Jesse, sizing him up. Not sure what to do, Jesse goes back to folding chairs. DeBlanc finally speaks. He has a voice made of wind and cellos. British. <laughs> okay. <laughs> indeed, indeed. <laughs> Oh, it's my go? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I got distracted. <laughs> Do you know what morality is, Mr. Custer? Right and wrong. And who decides what is right and what is wrong? God. What if God weren't around? Do you think you'd still know the difference? Jesse considers. Yeah. How? I just would. DeBlanc half smiles satisfied the word is a heavy burden it can crush you it can consume you if you're not strong enough strong enough for what a glorious day is coming mr custard for you have been chosen mr custard mr custard mr custard <laughs> he's 10 stop Wait, calling him mr it says mr yeah you said custard oh mr custard yeah. i ain't made a pudding <laughs> <laughs> All right, mr tapioca <laughs> A glorious day is coming, Mr. Custard, for you have been chosen by heaven. You will be our champion. Until then, your grandmother will make you ready. Jesse looks over at Marie, who is watching the two of them carefully. Interior, truck, night. Young Jesse is jostled awake by a bump in the road. He's riding in the open back of the truck, amid stacks of chairs. He looks up at the star-filled sky. Transition to exterior, farm, dawn. The truck pulls onto a long gravel path leading to a small rundown farm on the very eastern edge of Texas. It's been in the family for generations. Exterior farm, another day. We come upon a seven-year-old boy in overalls with straw blonde hair that radiates in a dozen dirty directions. With hands covering his face. 38, 39, 40. Ready or not, Jesse, here I come. Billy Bob looks up, revealing he has only one oversized eye, where his left eye should be as a skin-covered hollow, the result of pollution and inbreeding. <laughs> he starts by checking the obvious places, barrels and truck beds, including some places far too small for anyone to hide. He's like looking at a, in a tin can. <laughs> <laughs> you in this pack of cigarettes? From a new angle, we look through a dirty glass as Billy Bob crosses the barnyard. Young Jesse is hiding in the enclosed cabin of a tractor, seven feet off the ground. 
Billy Bob doesn't even think to look up as he walks past, heading for the barn. Interior, barn, day. Dust rises, caught in the sunlight spilling through holes in the roof. Even at midday, it's a spooky barn, with rusted blades hanging from beams and cobwebs so big they could catch a bird. Billy Bob swings open stable doors and peers under troughs. He climbs the ladder to the hayloft. The bales are broken open, giant piles of straw. Billy Bob smiles, convinced he's found his quarry. Flies buzz. Crows call. Quietly poking through the hay, (laughs) the boy spots a hand. Found you! He grabs the hand, but it doesn't pull back. Puzzled, Billy Bob pushes back more hay. The hand belongs to a very dead deputy sheriff. He's been shot through the forehead. Billy Bob stares, transfixed. Table Reads will return after this brief word from our sponsors. What's up, docs and docettes? Trevor Thompson, the self-appointed Looney Tunes critic here. And if you like old cartoons and watching online reviewers dissect them, then you probably said the same thing I did about two years ago. Hey, what the fuck? Here, watch your language, you bud. We're on the air. No, I said, why the heck isn't there a Looney Tunes critic? I mean, nobody's devoted strictly to Looney Tunes Merry Melodies, and whenever people do review that stuff, half the time they get it wrong. And they're all millennials, too, so everything before 1985 is racist. Ugh. Well, I'm the guy you want anyway. Every Saturday morning, I do a brand new commentary of a Warner Brothers short. All throughout the month, I do video essays examining the history of these cartoons. And every few months, I do a full-length review and or interviews with people who worked on Looney Tunes projects. Catch my videos on YouTube.com slash Ferris Wheelhouse 2, or just use the hashtag Looney Tunes Critic. And now, here's Eric Bauza, the new voice of Bugs Bunny, to bring this commercial home. You've been listening to Trevor Thompson, the self-appointed Looney Tunes Critic. Ain't he a stinker? Lights, camera, action. So the movie's kaput, which means your script ain't worth the buffalo shit on a nickel. Now, back to table reads. So we were just talking during the break, and... We are loving the script so far. Yeah, I'm I'm sold on the story. I'm bought in. I'm I'm like waiting what's happened next. I'm usually on the peanut gallery, like yuck yuck yuck, making jokes, but I don't have anything to joke about. Like, yeah, it's it's just good. Yeah, it's just a good script, which is such a breath of fresh air on this fucking podcast. <laughs> but I say it's the opposite for me. It kind of took me out of my wheelhouse, my expertise. <laughs> like, I don't know of- what to do when it's good. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's. That's it here. Like, Josh was only done one script with us. Yep, um, yep. So he doesn't know how bad things can get. I mean, we did, uh, back in the day, my partner and I did four episodes of the first draft of Star Wars and couldn't get through it. We abandoned it. They are lost episodes now. Wow. Oh, bad. wow. Wow. I want to yeah. listen now. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's me. not even fun. Like, we <laughs> couldn't even make fun of it anymore. It was just like, can we make this stop? Please, please make it stop. Oh, no. <laughs> it's, it's real, real upsetting. Just, guys, the original Star Wars movie was a fluke. 
George Lucas is the worst. <laughs> And everything he's done since, because remember, Empire and and Jedi were written by Lawrence Kasdan. Lucas did not write those. He was like, "Oh, I'm for Episode One. I'll come back and I'll write again." Look at that fucker. I believe those movies were like notoriously saved in the editing bay from everything I remember reading on it. <laughs> they, had a, they had a strong team on Empire too. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like the yeah, his his wife edited that movie. And then he divorced her. Fade in. (laughs) Billy Bob, climbing down the ladder in a panic. His foot misses a rung. He nearly falls, but catches himself. Reaching the barn floor, he turns to find TC waiting for him. Uh, uh, uh. Uh, uh, uh. Oh. Uh, uh, uh. He grabs Billy Bob by the collar, but the boy rips free. You thought I was chiding you? I'm like, I was trying to direct you. What's the direction? (laughs) I like to read the script beforehand, and he doesn't let me do that, so. (laughs) No rehearsals, all finger wagging. Tried to First try, no warm up. <laughs> That's like the only direction he's given me. You. Yeah, like I, when you did that, I was like, he's going to throw me out of the helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> he grabs Billy Bob by the collar, but the boy rips free. Exterior, farm, day. Billy Bob emerges at full speed, but his feet can't keep pace with his panic. He slips in the dirt, landing hard. TC grabs him by the hair. In the tractor, Young Jesse sees TC catch Billy Bob. He freezes, deer in the headlights. In the barnyard, TC takes his bowie knife and cuts Billy Bob from ear to ear, throws the body on the dirt. Jesse suppresses a scream. There's nowhere to run. He can only hunker down and keep hiding. He squeezes his eyes shut. We're getting out of here tonight. Exterior farm, interior pickup night. Pickup night, years ago. Little Jesse Jesse Custer, four years old, slides behind the wheel. His father, John Custer, pops the clutch, taking the truck out of gear. He speaks in whispers. Careful to be quiet. Keep the wheel straight, okay? I'll push it towards the road. Now, uh... Jesse and John should have the same exact voice. The John and, and grown-up Jesse have okay. the same exact voice. Is that close to where you want to go? Yeah. Okay. John braces his shoulder against the back of the pickup truck. Oh, we didn't say that was John Custer. That's oh, John. No, we did. We did say that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. Pardon me. John braces his shoulder against the back of the pickup truck. His feet slip, but he finally gets it moving, inches at a time. At the wheel, little Jesse steers them towards the main road. It's excruciatingly slow. The night is quiet. Just wind in the trees, the crunch of gravel under the tires. Straining, John tries to build up a little more speed. In the side mirror, little Jesse spots movement. Jody is coming up behind his father, silent despite his size. I'm four, right? Yep. Dad! Too late. Jody slams John's head into the back of the truck. Jody could finish the fight now, but he seems to enjoy it. He lets John charge him, 
landing a few blows before knocking him back down. Little Jesse jumps out of the truck, rushing to help his father. With a watch this nod to Jesse, he headbutts John, sending him slumping back against the truck, sliding to dirt. Enough! Jody takes a step back to reveal Marie. He was trying to take Jesse. The boy can't leave. Heaven has plans for Jesse. We have to protect him here until he is cold. You're all fucking crazy. Marie comes closer. In the background, TC walks up. I kept you around because a boy needs his daddy to show him how to be a man. You think you can do that just a little longer? Teach your boy how to be brave? Off John Custer's face, we cut to exterior, field, twilight. John Custer, little Jesse, Jody, and TC walk across the plowed rows. John has his hands bound behind his back. Don't give him tears, Jesse. That's how they got your mama. You gotta be hard, okay? Okay. He's good. John stops. Jody kicks the back of his leg so he falls to his knees. TC stands back with Jesse while Jody pulls a gun from his waistband. John looks over at his son. You have to be one of the good guys, Jesse. Even if no one teaches you how. Jesse nods. John looks down at the dirt. Jody aims the gun at the back of his head and fires. Little Jesse's eyes redden, but not a single tear falls. Back to exterior, farm, interior, tractor, day. Young Jesse opens his eyes. TC lifts Billy Bob's limp body, slinging it over his shoulder like a bag of feed corn. He kicks dirt over the blood in the barnyard. TC heads behind the barn. Jesse waits until the coast is clear, then reaches for the door handle. Exterior, swamp, day. Young Jesse races along animal trails. He's not entirely sure where he's going. He just has to get away. Exterior, deep in the swamp, day. A yellow snake curls its way around a mossy branch, testing the air with its tongue. We come upon young Jesse, hidden in the hollow at the base of a tree. He's soaked with sweat, scratched and muddy from various tumbles. As fireflies start to glow, Jesse hears a sound like distant wind chimes. He spots a man looking right at him, DeBlanc. He recognizes him, but isn't sure whether he's friend or foe. Should he run or stay hidden? DeBlanc points to Jesse, then footsteps. Suddenly, Jody leans into frame, grabbing young Jesse by the shoulders. Gotcha! Cut to, close on Marie. She leans over young Jesse, but it's not clear where they are. You can't hide from heaven, Jesse. I was 60 years old when I had your mama. Folks would call that a miracle. It ain't. It's all part of heaven's plan. We couldn't hope to know it. Wider, we find that we are exterior, dock, swamp, day, continuous. Young Jesse is lying in a specially prepared coffin. It has latches and gaskets, plus two hoses connected to the top. That's the secret, Jesse. You gotta learn your place in all this. 
Marie signals to Jody and TC, who shut the lid and seal the latches. They slide the coffin along the dock, letting it plunge off the edge into the murky water. Exterior, underwater, day. The coffin sinks, weighed down by cinder blocks. The two hoses stretch up to the surface, the only air Jesse will get. Interior, coffin, day. The faint glow of light on Jeff Jesse's face from where the hoses connect. He listens as the water rushes past. Here's the coffin scrape against rocks on the bottom of the marsh. It's like being trapped in a tiny submarine. Exterior dock slash swamp day. TC fires up a small gas-powered pump, hooks one of the hoses to it. How long we good keeping him under? His mama lasted a week. Start there. Transition to darkness. We can hear water all around us. Then a flame. Jesse's father's Jesse's father lights a cigarette with a silver lighter. He shuts it with a satisfying ching. He's sitting on a couch watching television. Young Jesse sits on the floor watching the same show. It's a TV western, black and white. On screen, the cowboy kneels over a cold campfire, lecturing the kid. The way it's framed, we never really see the cowboy's face. If it was the Comanche, they're headed for the fort. I can ride ahead. I can warn them. You'll do no such thing. John Custer absentmindedly flicks his lighter open and shut. You head home and stay there. I'll handle this. Now go. Reluctantly, the kid saddles up and rides off. A beat. The cowboy looks the camera his face still covered in shadow. You gotta run, Jesse. In the darkness, the cowboy is talking to young Jesse. They'll find me again. They'll kill me. Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. Man so afraid of being caught ain't free to begin with. The lighter. Don't become what they want you to be, Jesse. You gotta be a man. Reveal that John Custer is no longer sitting on the couch. Can you teach me? The cowboy's hand reaches out of the screen. Jesse shakes it. Pardoner. Exterior, dock slash swamp, day. Blinding light as Jody opens the dripping coffin. Inside, young Jesse is skeletal and ghostly white. Barely lucid. TC waves a hand in front of his nose, disgusted by the stench of shit and vomit. You learn your lesson? Yes, sir. Exterior, farm, night. By moonlight, young Jesse Custer is digging. It's hard work, and harder still because he's trying to be quiet. He stops, convinced he heard something. But it's just the night birds in the trees. Later, and Jesse has made it down a few feet. Feeling a change in the dirt, he grabs his flashlight to see what he's hit. Skeletal feet stick out of the black dirt. Tears mix with the sweat on Jesse's face. He wipes away both with a dirty hand. He cleanses the dirt away from his father's jeans and reaches into the pockets. That's where he finds what he was looking for. A silver lighter. He wipes it clean to read the inscription. Fuck 
communism. <laughs> so edgy. <laughs> Cut to exterior roadhouse night. Uh, just so you guys know, the, the lighter I've been using to make the sound effects is a replica of the one that's used on the Preacher television show that says fuck communism and was made by a friend of mine for the show. Nothing phony here. Nothing phony. <laughs> Only the best. Sick. I don't fuck around, y'all. <laughs> That's why it's visual. Yes, this is the most visual podcast you have ever heard. <laughs> there are no better, more visual podcasts. <laughs> With a flick, a wide flame blooms atop this silver lighter. Cindy Shugan, 25, leans in to light her cigarette. She's a thin girl with a thin voice and patriotic earrings. I don't have any fluid in my lighter. <laughs> right after I gave him that compliment. <laughs> we can't even get fire in here. It evaporates if you just let it sit there. Yeah, and it's just been sitting there. Yeah. I got my Constantine lighter right over there, too. Oh, yeah. That's not canon. That one's actually was used on the show. You fucked up, Jeff. Well, I mean, not canon for preacher. Oh, 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 oh. It's <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> he's about to erase your ass. No, 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 I believe him. I believe him. We come around to see the man holding the flame for her, Jesse Custer, now fully grown, roughly the age we saw at the start. He's not smoking, just nursing a beer. He flicks the lighter shut. Ching. She takes it, reading the inscription. Who wants to be Cindy. You want to be Cindy, Jeff? I could be Cindy, I think. Uh, let's hear your Cindy. What does that even mean? <laughs> That's great. <laughs> perfect, perfect. I've been working on it this whole time. All right, one more time. <clears throat> so, eh. What does that even mean? It means fuck communism. Is that, like, ironic? Wow. You don't get me at all. It's Friday night, and everyone got paid. It'll be an hour before the first punch is thrown. How am I supposed to get you when I barely know you, Jesse Custer? You're the you're Mr. Man of Mystery. I tell you everything about my life. Everything. Jesse nods, drinking his beer. You sure do. Asshole. I'll answer five questions. I promise. I'll be honest. Cindy considers her first question carefully. What do you really do? Is it something illegal? I really fix power lines for the county. And that's two questions. What does your lighter mean? Jesse laughs, surprised. It was my daddy's, but I'll try. Figure communism is when the government tells a man what he thinks he... Figure communism is when the government tells a man what he's got to do. What he's got to think, got to want. So fuck that. Man was put here by God to make his own way. You believe in God? That's complicated. You said you'd answer. I believe in love, too. Without a shred of evidence that either actually exists. I know they're both real. They're just, they're not just stories. Kindled. You think you could love me, Jesse Custer? <laughs> a beat. Honestly, I don't see that, no. Cindy slaps him. Jesse takes it without response. No answer as Cindy walks away. Two onlookers laugh at the quarrel. He gives them nothing as he finishes his beer and heads inside. Interior, Roadhouse, Night. 
Jesse gets the bartender's attention and signals for another beer. While he's waiting, he feels a pair of eyes on him. He looks down the bar to see a pretty blonde scoping him out. She casually ducks back, blocked by the crowd. But a beat later, she's back. This time, she holds eye contact. What happens in the next series of glances, nods, and half-smiles isn't flirting, really. It's a silent negotiation. By the time Jesse's beer comes, there's no question he's going to walk down to her. The, mar- the bar might as well be empty. It's just the two of them. Her name is Tulip O'Hare. Hard luck and good genes have given her a deep-grained beauty. She may not be the first girl you notice, but she's the last girl you'll forget. I'm meeting a friend. Okay. She looks at his eyes, his lips. She can get her own beer. Cut two. Exterior. Apartment building. Night. I really wish Kelly was here to do Tulip. I know, right? Because she's perfect. She would be great yeah. for Tulip. Yeah, and yeah. Tulip's um, very yeah. wry and take no shit. It's yeah, it fits her character perfectly. I'll meet we with miss a you. friend. We miss you, Kelly. <laughs> do one of them. I'm gonna I'm gonna record you doing next Tulip's next line, and I'll be like, "This is what we got to deal with." Where the fuck are you? I mean, you crushed it. <laughs> do it. <laughs> Cut to exterior apartment building. Night on a second floor walkway. Tulip is trying to get the key in the lock while kissing Jesse. We intercut with moments leading up to their arrival at the apartment. Interior roadhouse. Night. Jesse and Tulip dance. Interior, apartment, night. Tulip raises her arm so Jesse can pull her shirt over her head. She pushes him against the wall, unsnapping his shirt down to the waist. Oh, he's got one of those snappy shirts. Yeah, yeah. That's a, oh, man, my wife loves those. Interior, roadhouse, night. Oh, yeah, you can pretend to be Superman without... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. Ruining shit. That's <laughs> oh, what shit. I did with them as a kid. <laughs> I still do that. <laughs> I don't have any of those shirts. I'll get you one soon. I just got t-shirts, and, uh, you know, it doesn't work as well. We got to get him a snappy shirt, Jeff. That's true. It, just for the intro of the podcast, whenever there's something... <laughs> he goes, shink, shink. It's snap, wears, snap, snap. If he, wears, <laughs> if he wears about eight of them, he can change every character. So he just snaps it off. He's like, now it's blue shirt, man. And that's what the character would have to be called. Blue shirt, man. Blue shirt, man. Important. Blue shirt, man. <laughs> that's it. Blue shirt, man of the Queen's shirt, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Interior, roadhouse, night. Tulip leads Jesse to the door. She likes the way his hands feel. Interior, bedroom, night. Jesse sits on the bed, pulling off his boots while she kisses his back. With one move, he's on top of her, one hand gliding her hips while she unbuckles his jeans. We stay in the moment, not focusing on the act, but rather the flow. There's nothing exaggerated or awkward. They just fit each other perfectly. Crossfade to later. Tulip and Jesse lie in post-coital stillness. I'm Tulip. Jesse. They like each other's names. <laughs> it's a weird line. <laughs> there might be food. I don't know. It's my friend's place. I'm just passing through. That's good. Off a reaction. That poster was kind of freaking me out. The poster in question features both a unicorn and a rainbow. Have you ever eaten unicorn? How do you cook it? Microwave. Three minutes on high. A smile. 
a beat. What is there to do for fun around here? This. We could do this anywhere. You're right. Fuck this town. Let's ride. She looks at him. He's serious. Exterior. Small house. Durango, Colorado. Day. A four rent sign in the front yard. Some fucking creepy rental. Uh, Wait, the unicorns exist in this, or was that like post-coital pillow talk? Yeah, they're just joking. That, that was just a joke. Oh, there might. I don't know. That's I mean, why. That's why I was, I was like, you know what? Let me get this out of the way. Real they quick. forged. They forged hell pistols and killed the devil. Like, yeah, but he got those from a flea market. Remember, they were knockoff Colts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to my knowledge, there are no uh, unicorns in this. But who can really say? True. You. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> in, in as he flicks his his custom fucking prop lighter, <laughs> shing, shing. the unicorn walks in. I mean, in the script, <laughs> nice. There are some departures. There are some things that are like just real, real. Like straight off the page. Mm. But there are some departures. Exterior. Oh, yeah, I did that for a rent sign. We slowly push in as Tulip pulls the sign out of the ground, hands it to Jesse, who's not sure where to put it. A second Jesse enters frame, mowing the lawn, while a second Tulip opens the front door, beer in hand, watching him work. Through this, we maintain the illusion of a continuous shot, though we're actually covering months of Tulip and Jesse's relationship. Carrying cans of paint, Jesse leads us, interior, small house, day, where he and Tulip are painting the living room. They're also having sex on the floor. Rounding the corner, we find Tulip sitting on the dining room table kissing Jesse, while behind them, they're eating dinner, neither wanting to acknowledge how bad the food turned out. In the kitchen, Tulip and Jesse argue. You're so convinced I'm going to abandon you just like your old man. This isn't about my father. Everything is about your father. It's like I'm having a three-way with a ghost. (laughs) That's such a good line. (laughs) Meanwhile, they're also having sex against the refrigerator. In the refrigerator. Tulip Tulip holds a cupcake with one lit handle. Lit candle. Jesse blows it out. Jesse chases Tulip down a short hallway to the bedroom. In bed, we find them making love, kissing, and finally nestled together, looking out the window into the winter night. What do you want, Jesse Custer? To eat? To be. When you grow up. If you grow up. Cowboy. I've never seen you on a horse. I can't ride. I'm also a terrible shot. Then why be a cowboy? Why not a knight or an astronaut? Knights have kings. Astronauts have NASA. Cowboy only answers to himself. A beat. Sensing her silence. And his lady friend. Better. Besides, you're going to need me. I'm a damn good shot. One more kiss. Exterior. Durango. Night. Snow clings to the peaks of the Sangre de Cristos, winds swaying the tops of the giant pines. The night sleeps well. Fade out. 
Man, guys, that's good. I'm I'm really digging it. I'm really enjoying it. I'm having a great time. This is fun. It's written so well too. Like I'm I'm able to like get dig into these lines and it's fun. Like yeah, I mean I have this script and the Garth Ennis script, and I grabbed this script because it's not Garth Ennis. Right. And I figured this is got to be not all that great, right? But it's pretty it's great. Pretty great. Like <laughs> I'm, I'm into the whole like montage they're having in the house. All the things happening simultaneously. Like they're eating, fucking, and arguing in the same scene. Yeah, yeah. I really yeah. think that's really cool. Yeah, that's a cool um, shot. It's a it's a really good tableau of any relationship. Yeah, yeah. Until you introduce Ghost Dad, like a three way with your dad, which I'm totally not, not into. <laughs> that's a great line. That that, that reminded me of uh, when they when I read it. It reminded me of the scene from the new Blade Runner movie, where the AI is like on the body of the hooker yeah oh oh yeah so yeah. good okay guys jeff what do you do what are you up to what uh is there somewhere people can go to find some stuff that you do uh josh and i were doing a podcast and we're starting to get back into that where we kind of just bitch about movies for a little bit nothing as organized as this oh do you mean casual filth that's that's the exact one I think. I love that podcast. I've never heard it. I I'm a liar. You and everyone that just heard you say that. <laughs> <laughs> He's not lying. Who who's telling the truth? That's true. So we did. Do I a, did write it down so I can look it up and listen to it later. Though we did do that's we did do a podcast ask. for a little while and kind of fell out of it because of uh you know actual real work. Um, but you know working with Sean has inspired uh Mon Frere to come back and be like hey you want to do a podcast again I'm like yeah I'm learning how to be a little bit more organized for Mr. McBee you know it's it's not worth it <laughs> it's a thankless it's thankless you just do you <laughs> it's not not worth it you're the world's first visual podcast so it's kind of you're working out a lot of the kinks right now there it is there it is <laughs> and that looked amazing. <laughs> I was like, oh man. <laughs> um Josh, uh your website, Joshua J. Baker VO or Josh uh, J. Joshua Baker. Joshua J. I do voiceovers. Um lately I've actually been performing with Atlanta Radio Theater Company. Um I just did a performance at the 221B Con. I played Franz. The evil German trying to chase down Lady Sherlock. You can just say German. Well, he he's not really German. He's Prussian, but he speaks German, so it's kind of complicated. But, I um, see. But jo JoshuaJBaker.com. JoshuaJBaker.com. If you'd like to hook up, if you got any voiceover work, and uh, if you just reach out to my email, I also, you know, it's funny. Uh, I did some videos for a few companies, and the video thing is kind of popping off now. So. Yeah. With that uh, face? Yeah, yeah, with that face. Wow. Yeah. Impressive. Face right. for podcasts. Yeah, yeah. So doing, doing uh, video production as well. Um, you can follow this podcast at The Table Reads on Twitter and Instagram. Check out our Facebook page. It's, uh, just search for Table Reads on Facebook. You know how Facebook works, right? Table Reads. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, also subscribe on uh, the, the iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. I use Stitcher. And um, the other thing was, oh god, what was? It? Oh yeah, uh, like and subscribe and uh, 
fucking that uh that leave a review maybe yeah Tell no your friends. absolutely leave a review five stars you know best. what you're supposed to do if you like a podcast go do all those things for table reads and we will see you on the flippity flop this podcast was created by sean McBee. for more visit tablereadspodcast.com cut to black, black. black.